in September, and after a little dawdling on the continent, had reached Cairo in November, the best month to arrive, in my opinion, for then the rush has not set in. The hotel servants have not had sufficient time to become weary of their duties, and what is better still, all the best rooms have not been bespoken. It was now the middle of December, and the fashionable caravanserai, upon which they had for many years bestowed their patronage, was crowded from roof to cellar. Every day people were being turned away, and the manager's continual lament was that he had not another hundred rooms wherein to place more guests. He was a Swiss, and for that reason regarded the hotel-keeping in the light of a profession. On this particular evening, Mrs. Westmoreland and her daughter Cecilia had arranged to dine with Dr. Forsyth. That is to say, they were to eat their meal at his table, in order that they might meet a man of whom they had heard much, but whose acquaintance they had not as yet made. The individual in question was a certain Professor Constanides, reputed one of the most advanced Egyptologists, and the author of several well-known works. Mrs. Westmoreland was not of an exacting nature, and so long as she dined in agreeable company, she did not trouble herself very much, whether it was with an English earl or a distinguished foreign savant. It really does not matter, my dear, she was wont to observe to her daughter, so long as the cooking is good and the wine above reproach, there is absolutely nothing to choose between them. A prime minister and a country vicar are, after all, only men. Feed them well, and they'll lie down and purr like tame cats. They don't want conversation. From this it will be seen that Mrs. Westmoreland was well acquainted with her world. Whether Miss Cecilia shared her opinions is another matter. At any rate, she had been looking forward for nearly a fortnight to meeting Constanides, who was popularly supposed to possess an extraordinary intuitive knowledge, instinct perhaps it should be called, concerning the localities of tombs of the pharaohs of the 11th, 12th and 13th dynasties. I'm afraid Constanides is going to be late, said the doctor, who had consulted his watch more than once. I hope in that case, as his friend and your host, you will permit me to offer you my apologies. The doctor at no time objected to the sound of his own voice, and on this occasion he was even less inclined to do so. Mrs. Westmoreland was a widow with an ample income, and Cecilia, he felt sure, would marry ere long. He has still three minutes in which to put in an appearance, observed that young lady quietly. And then she added in the same tone, Perhaps we ought to be thankful if he comes at all. Both Mrs. Westmoreland and her friend the doctor regarded her with mildly reproachful eyes. The former could not understand anyone refusing a dinner, such as she felt sure the doctor had arranged for them, while the latter found it impossible to imagine a man who would dare to disappoint the famous Dr. Forsyth, who, having failed in Harley Street, was nevertheless coining a fortune in the land of the pharaohs. My good friend Constanides will not disappoint us, I feel sure, he said, consulting his watch for the fourth time. Possibly I am a little fast. At any rate, I have never known him to be unpunctual. A remarkable, a very remarkable man is Constanides. I cannot remember ever to have met another like him, and such a scholar. Having thus bestowed his approval upon him, the worthy doctor pulled down his cuffs, straightened his tie, 
adjusted his pince-nez in his best professional manner, and looked round the hall, as if searching for someone bold enough to contradict the assertion he had just made. You have, of course, read his mythological Egypt, observed Miss Cecilia, demurely, speaking as if the matter were beyond doubt. The doctor looked a little confused. Hmm, well, let me see, he stammered, trying to find a way out of the difficulty. Well, to tell the truth, my dear young lady, I'm not quite sure that I have studied that particular work. As a matter of fact, you see, I have so little leisure at my disposal for any reading that is not intimately connected with my profession. That, of course, must necessarily come before everything else. Miss Cecilia's mouth twitched as if she were endeavouring to keep back a smile. At the same moment, the glass doors of the vestibule opened and a man entered. So remarkable was he that everyone turned to look at him.